I'm gonna steal the Declaration of Independence. I'd like to take his his face off. Oh no, not the beard! A B C D E F G H I J K L. I was a little drunk. Plus, I was horny. Welcome back to Cage Old Question, where we ask the Cage Old Question, is Nicolas Cage the greatest actor alive? We're answering it by watching every film he's ever made. I'm Artoon, and this is my wife-to-be, Christina. Hello! And we're your hosts, whether you like it or not. On this show, we watch the entire film catalog of Nicolas Cage in chronological order, working our way through over 40 years of cinema. As a disclaimer, this podcast is not affiliated with any other third parties, and the opinions expressed herein are strictly our own. For today's episode, we watched Fast Times at Ridgemont High, released in 1982. We watched it on Monday night in the safety of our own apartment on IMDb TV for free. We did have to watch with ads, so be warned. I think you can buy it on Amazon and Apple. Directed by Amy Heckerling and written by Cameron Crowe, the film stars Phoebe Cates, Jennifer Jason Leigh, Sean Penn, Judge Reinhold, Ray Walston, many, many more. Forrest Whitaker is in this. And all the way at the bottom, all the way at the bottom is Brad's bud, Nicolas Cage. I hate to call you out, but right away, but at the end of credits, actually the last build is Reginald Farmer. That's right. Who I loved for his performance as the vice, the vice principal. The vice principal, yes. And Nick... Nicholas Coppola Nicholas is Coppola. second to last credit yes. as Brad's bud. So all the way at the bottom, but one up, mm. is Nicholas Coppola as Brad's bud. If you haven't seen Fast Times at Ridgemont High, listeners, beware. Spoilers ahead. We will be talking about the movie, the plot, the characters, the whole shebang. So if you want to watch the movie and haven't, stop right where you are. Watch the movie on IMDb TV with all those ads and then come back to us. So spoil it for us, our tune. What's There's this movie an abortion about? in this movie. Oh, abortion Papa. rights for the aborters. This podcast is a pro-choice podcast. So yeah. let's talk. I mean, are we, do we have full? We, yeah, but yeah, I that's just, right. Uh, so I mean, I, we hope you paused if you're if that's what you're in for. But the movie's not really about an abortion. The, let's give you a little general overview of the plot. Christina, fill in if I like uh, miss anything or anything. This is a movie about a bunch of teenagers hanging around a mall and kind of going their way through school. Some of them come into terms with being an adult and turning 18, and others who are 15 and just trying to make their way in the world. There's a lot going on in this movie. There is. It's really an ensemble cast it really is not and it's hard cast. to figure out who's related to which other character and like who's dating which characters and who but you figure it out by the end mm-hmm. but up top it's just a smorgasbord of teens yeah i'd say and i'd say the big archetypes are we got uh brad hamilton brad. he's like the old Good guy works at the old. He's a teenager too. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not. I guess he's like he's the senior, right? He is a senior, as opposed to some of these yes. underclassmen, yeah, uh, like the ticket scalper. Yeah. Um. So he's and what's that? Is that name? That guy's name is Mike, I believe. Right? Yeah, Mike, the ticket scalper. Uh oh, we're gonna get into him soon as well. Oh yeah. He's the one who did not yeah. drive. Spoiler: Stacy Hamilton to her abortion appointment. After he came in like two seconds. Yeah. These are these guys all have that like 
I think it's that early 80s guy that's coming back into style where you look at them, first look, you're like, that is an ugly man. And then you get a couple scenes later and you're like, is this actually the most beautiful man I've ever seen? And then by the end of it, you're like, this is just a human. I'm fine. I've calmed down. I've relaxed. But I felt that way about both Brad and about the ticket scalper. Yes, Mike. Mike, the ticket scalper, was like a, like a, what do we call him? Oh, a Snape. Severus Snape. Severus Snape. If Severus Snape and Jimmy Fallon had like a charming son, (laughs) that was sort of what his vibe was, except he became much less charming as the film went oh, on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I felt like Brad was like, if Jason Siegel and Army Hammer I kept thinking had Jason Siegel. an acne-riddled child, mm-hmm. that would kind of be what he That'd would. That'd be Judd Reinhold's character, Mike. Yeah. Or not Mike. Um, Brad. Brad, yeah. You know... Um, but it's their charisma. Their, their charisma. And also, charisma. almost like in a movie of his own, Sean Penn's Sean playing Penn. Spicoli. My gosh, it is a movie of its own. It doesn't make it. It, just it like, doesn't connect at all exactly to like, the other plot line. It, it, there's like a little bit of like bleed over. Like they go to the same high school. You go to yeah, the same high school. you gotta run into <laughs> each other at the game. But it's not like that. I I I didn't see how that had anything to do with. This feels like Euphoria in the '80s is what it feels like. I mean, you've watched the TV show more That's than I have. Said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought I think it's interesting that you say that because for me. Euphoria is so tied up into a lot of the queer plot lines, mm. and this movie was so aggressively heterosexual. It's aggressively heterosexual. Like there's so much nudity, there's so much hetero fantasies. Like there's, it's just like shoving down your throat. The only time a gay person would even remotely be mentioned is at the beginning of the movie when there's a someone pats a sticker on the back oh, yeah. of another student, and it says, "I am a homo." not 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 funny but it is it's like a it's like a relic of the era yeah it's funny now because that's not how uh queer bashing occurs in the modern era we strip them of their rights you know things like that i am not a homo is such a like or i am a homo is such a i guess it's a grammatically correct sentence Mm -hmm. it's so weird Homo is also weird. We don't say that. We don't really say that anymore. I don't say it. I don't. I, I don't say it either. But um, it's weird. I mean, it, it is. is it's, no, so yeah. Euphoria is fun. I was because there's all these gay people around, yes. and that's like real life. This, like, like it is a little creepy to. I mean, it's these older films are all creepy. Where you, when you just wash out like a total group of people. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, it's very, granted that they like many were in the closet, but also it's the '80s. It's, yeah. Yeah, this is the straight man and straight woman's euphoria of the oh, 80s. Oh, yes, of course. Representation for and, the straights. Yeah, for rep- <laughs> representation for the straights, for the heteros. One for the heteros. Um, I also wanted to say this film, uh, you haven't watched American Graffiti, have you? No. It's very much what American Graffiti, which came out in the 70s and is looking at the 50s, this movie feels like it's the 80s looking at the late 70s. Because mm. there's constant graffiti here. That says, Disco sucks. Yes. An insane, I feel like such an insane graffiti to like have around being like, yeah, this is cool. Disco sucks. Or I guess in like, in Spicoli's voice, it's like, oh man, Disco sucks, Mr. (laughs) Ann. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's crazy because the music of the film slaps. The soundtrack is 
unbelievable. It was even, the movie soundtrack was number 54 on the U.S. Billboard 200 wow. chart. Which does album charts and whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So within the top 100 <laughs> uh-huh. of the Billboard 200 albums. So, <laughs> well, well, well. So very impressive, fabulous music. Um, which brings me back to what we were saying about music, which was... Disco sucks. Disco sucks. Disco sucks. That's what you're talking about. <laughs> the, other, the other graffiti that I saw was Wasted Youth. Mm. And so it was, it's, that's very interesting that you caught that it's like the reaction against the music and the youth of just the preceding decade. Which is the 60s, right? That's when disco is? What? Disco is the 70s. Is which disco is, the 70s? Yeah. Okay, that's the 70s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. I'm just trying. To, I'm trying to get my. You know, we weren't I mean, born then. Yeah, we were not born then, and I don't know. Maybe music junkies would be like, "Disco was actually technically on the scene in 1968." If I'd be you're like, a music oh, junkie, call, let us know. You tweet can, at us. You can tweet talk to us. I'm not gonna to really listen to that, but good. Thank you. Um, so you mentioned the nudity uh, <gasps> earlier because this film is chock full of it. Chock full a of ton of boobs. Ton but, of boobs. But you know what? There's an absence of full frontal male nudity. Yeah. However, that was actually not the case of the actual filming of the movie. When this film was first made, it received an X rating because in the uh, love scene between Mike the Scalper and Stacey Hamilton, in their quick two minute... Two minute? Two second, two second, two second little... uh, They actually had full frontal male nudity (gasps) and it was cut out because of the censors because they were going to get an X rating on it and they didn't want that. They wanted the R. Yeah. But for all you Criterion heads out there, it is restored in the Criterion version. If you want to go get that (gasps) Blu-ray special. It was just released by the Criterion, I believe, in the last year. Oh, my gosh. And so you can see see it all. Oh, my gosh. We're big fans of Criterion here. We're big fans of Criterion. On Cage Old Question. (laughs) Cage Old Question. But that's crazy. We are... You're you're probably wondering, when are they going to talk about Nicolas Cage? Because... It's a podcast about him. But we did want to kind of talk about the movie quickly. Only because Nicolas Cage, or I guess let's call him Nicolas Coppola in this, is in this movie for what must be 10 seconds. Maybe maybe 15. If you're counting like... If you're being generous. (laughs) If you're like, if any part of him is on on screen, I think 15 seconds does it. But his face... His face, it's it's, it's five seconds. It's five seconds. It's brutal. It is brutal. Which, uh, which you've been through. You've experienced. Which I've experienced. I've well, experienced actually, your your role in Ghostbusters was bigger than his role in... Yes. And the similarities between the two of us... They don't stop role, there. They do not they stop do there. Not because stop I there. also was thinking when I was seeing Nicolas Cage and he's got his little diner hat on and he's like acting in the background, trying to be a part of things. And... Um, and I was like, this is just like our tune because you both have these big, beautiful eyes and these big, beautiful <laughs> eyebrows and these big, beautiful noses. Oh and I God. was like, this is amazing. Because you had lines, at least. You yeah, didn't have lines. I, did, I had lines in Ghostbusters Afterlife, which if you haven't seen Ghostbusters Afterlife, check it out. you got to check it you out. you got to see it because <laughs> our it. tune's amazing. And someday you're going to be making a podcast about him. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And you're going to want to you're going to want to get on the ground floor. Oh, yeah. But yes, we are both wearing... Shockingly similar outfits. Yeah. We're both fry cooks. We yeah. both have the hat and the apron. And actually, I want to go even a step further. Uh, the reason Nicholas Coppola slash Nicholas Cage changed his name to Nicholas Cage is because of this movie. And you can actually hear 
exactly why he did that right here in this Wired interview. Why did Nicolas Cage change his name? I changed my name because I was doing a little movie called Fast Times at Ridgemont High and I was still Nicholas Coppola and people would not stop saying things like I love the smell of Nicholas in the morning because of Apocalypse Now and Robert Duvall saying I love the smell of napalm in the morning and it made it hard to work and I decided I don't need this. So I changed it to Cage. It's a combination of Luke Cage from Marvel Comics, it was a character I liked, also named Power Man, and John Cage, the avant-garde composer, speaks volumes about everything I've been up to ever since. Pretty crazy. You know, smell pretty crazy, pretty especially crazy. considering you sold it to me like he had to change his name because he was terrorized on this movie and they were, and it just sounds like he didn't want to be teased about being a Coppola. So I do agree, he didn't want to be teased, he was tired of being teased about being a Coppola. <laughs> But I also want to bring up the fact that think of who's in this movie, right? Think of like the energy around this movie. The opening shot of the school, there's teepee being thrown. Like all of these are hooligans. They're pranksters. They're being silly. All these, all these like, you know, early 20s stuff. And Nicolas Cage is 17. He's He's a little he's baby boy. He's a little boy. baby boy. He, he looks doesn't look old. like no, it because he's six feet tall. He looks older yeah. than he is. But he's an underage But he's an underage little boy. baby boy. And all these older actors are making fun of him outside of his trailer going, I love the smell of Nicholas in the morning. Because of that, the, the line. Mm. I'd be devastated. Because of the line what? I, I, oh, that he, he explained it. In Apocalypse Night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd be devastated. I, if that was me, I'd be crushed. In fact, again, the similarities between me and Nick. They just don't stop. <laughs> For the real listeners, you'll know my last name is Festechian. Mm-hmm. Artun Festechian. Mm-hmm. My Nazareth is my middle name. But not that I was necessarily bullied, but every single time I had any sort of situation where someone had to call my name, they would beef it. They'd be like, Artun Festechian. And they'd be like, <laughs> like, you have such a weird last name. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't want to deal with that. The same way he didn't want to deal with it. I want people to just be like, Artun Nazareth. That's something. That's a movie star. And <laughs> that's so charming. You're so cute. It's just classic. It's classic Armenian. I identify with the white man and his struggles because I would say that your experience of not liking people uh, messing up Vestechian is a microaggression against like that results from xenophobia, not learning the names of other cultures and stuff, and is mm-hmm. not necessarily the same as. Uh, Nicholas Coppola deciding I don't want to be teased about being a Coppola but I think he would appreciate that you feel empathy for his position yes yes I I think so too <laughs> I, I, I think so too but it's no I, th- I think it's it's just tough because also uh, he initially auditioned for the the Brad part for the Brad Hamilton he says he auditioned like 10 or 11 times <sighs> Which that that means he was getting like called back. It's oh, he's not, getting it's, right. Yes, yes, it's yes, not yes. like he just sent in ten, like ten audition tapes. And Correct. Was like, no, no, not like an insane person. Me. Yes, that yes, means yes. he was actually being he was being considered for the, for the role. role. And a big right. part of yes, uh-huh. and the big part of why they didn't go with him is because he is seventeen, which means the amount of hours he can work is mm. less. Even back yeah. in the crazy eighties, they still had some regulations on these child actors. Yeah. Plus, Brad's character does some uh, adult activities in the film, which I think could be... He's jerking it. He's masturbating. (laughs) 
He's that too, but also there's the fantasy like the he's, he's he's making out with a topless woman. Like that's oh, yeah. that's actually happening on set. You know yeah. what I mean? So if that's gonna be a seventeen year old, you've got a lot of pi- like paperwork that you gotta Speaking of paperwork, I would love to see the releases that they did to get all of those animals on set for oh the science class. Oh my god, the biology classes. class was insane. Oh my gosh. Have you what was your biology class in We high actually like? we actually did have a pretty exciting class where Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got to have like chicks in an incubator. We watched what? some hat, hatch and then you could have a little chick on your desk while you were learning AP bio. And my uh, teacher had rats that would be in their cage or sometimes they would be in a little ball scrabbling around. So I come, I come from a school where there are animals around in the classroom and it still doesn't hold a candle to this class where there are, there's a monkey, monkey. there's a tarantula, there's rabbits. Which also got, like, what's that lesson, what's the what, lesson plan the for lesson that day? truly was just children, <laughs> look at the animals, stick your fingers in the cages, <laughs> see what comes of it. And then... Tell me this. Did you ever, as a bio class, go to a hospital to look at a cadaver? We never went to look at any dead bodies, which what? feels like a shortcoming on my education. But yes, I uh, do think it's. I do think it could be very insightful and useful huh? to to really stare death in the face at a young impressionable age. So I'm wondering also, is this an actual thing that happened in the early '80s, like late '70s, and they just kind of stopped it? Or is this one of those like fictional movie things? They're like, we got to take the class to a dead body, but really no class. We're doing this. We are children of the '90s. To our older listeners, let us know. Yeah, it felt fictional. Have you but... ever been on a <laughs> sure. high school field trip to a Tell us hospital? About when you saw a dead Tell us body when you as saw a, a dead body as a child. Well, um, speaking of adult activities and some of the other things that happen in this film, uh, there are some horrifying suggestions about the ages at which these oh, yeah. activities are appropriate. The um, the two gal pals, Linda and Stacy, mm-hmm. are chatting and they discuss um, that one of them... So which one's the sister? Linda is the sister of Brad? No, Stacy Hamilton. Stacy is the sister of Brad. Yes. So her friend Linda says, I had sex at 13. You're 15 and you still haven't done it? You, <laughs> Time's you ticking. Rude, rude, <laughs> absolutely. And that... That is, uh, in my opinion, not appropriate, but to each their own. (laughs) And then they're also talking about, they're talking about blowjobs and like, and her her friend is coaching her with some carrots about how to do it. And, and Stacy, Sister Stacy. Sister Stacy. Sister Stacy. Not a nun, but Sister Stacy. No, 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 the Sister of Bad. I mean, but that's going to help me remember her. She asks sort of like, how much semen comes out? When you're giving a blowjob, which yeah. I think is a great, a question, great question for a high schooler to ask for someone who's interested, thinking about it. The answer is a quarter teaspoon to a teaspoon. You but her this up? friend, I looked it up this because it's horrifying. a good, it's a good, it's a good question, and it has a reasonable answer. Her friend tells her a quart, and she's sort of joking. But when you're that age, you don't, you can like sense that people are joking, but you don't know what the truth is. So all yeah. you're left with is the image of a quart of semen. Busting out. Busting out. And that's very scary. That is very scary. And that's not the case. What I think this movie also does well is like, it does balance that like losing your, vir- like it's all the way from people losing their virginity to like, it seems like people's first kiss. Yeah. And it, it kind of is able to... Catch that entire spectrum of high school, from like yeah. freshmen all the way up to seniors. That is a nice point. And that I think there's also an element of it that is like 
examining virginity across both genders. Yeah. And that is nice and something you don't see. Like, I, I was definitely getting hung up on the girl saying after after she's had sex, she's like, it hurts so bad. And it's like, oh, this stuff is all, like, very monstrous about how we're depicting sex for young women. But it is nice thinking about um, Mark Ratner is the character's name, who's a little nerd, and she's she gets all the way undressed into just like a robe and she's leaning right up into his personal space and he's still got his jacket on he's just stiff as a board on the bed he's like this is going great but i don't want to ruin it and after she's like i made an idiot of myself yeah he blew it he blew it he He blew it blew it and fellas fellas if she's in your in her robe (laughs) your jacket is not on it should (laughs) not be on I I feel bad for the rat, uh, for Mark Rat. Because, <laughs> for the because, rat. For the rat. Because that was me. That was me growing up. I, I want to, let's take a, take a quick second, Steen. I want to hear about what your first kiss was like. I'll tell, I'll tell you mine. I'll start. I'm not going to share. So you can, so I'll you share. Can I'll share. And then maybe if you're feeling up to it, <laughs> cool. you can share. My first kiss was at 16. <gasps> Stacey Hamilton's fucking at 15. So oh. I, I <laughs> Linda's at late. 13. Linda's at 13. So I'm late to the game. And it was a bit of a setup situation where mm-hmm. my friends were like, we have someone else who's never kissed anyone. Uh, so you're like, you got to go. We were on a trip to Spain. I'm going to leave her name out of this for... That's appropriate. Yeah, to, to be appropriate. <laughs> we, we went to Spain and they were like, you just got to go into a room and she knows you're coming and then you guys will just kiss. Oh my God. So if you think no. <laughs> anything you saw in this movie is awkward, just imagine me as a 16-year-old, no. which I looked like a string bean. You looked like a being, little baby guppy. Being told, just walk, just knock, go in. She's going to be sitting there on the no. bed. And you just get in, talk to her. I don't like and we And you just kiss for a little bit. And then that's your first kiss. Uh, okay. It was... <laughs> it was I mean it, 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 I was glad to have had it uh, but it was definitely an awkward setup so maybe someone will write a movie about that someday oh. what about you Steen anything as embarrassing as that no no I've always been a very good kisser so <laughs> <laughs> I'm not worried about that but in terms of our relationship another thing that reminded me of us is when they go on that silly little date and there's the so so Mark the Rat and Stacy's sister go on a date and there there's this big red candle on the table and they're in these big huge, huge red chairs. leather chairs that they're just totally drowning in and it's a really cute like depiction of little high schoolers going on a formal date and they're way too small and they're just little babies and they look totally silly and I it reminded me of one of our early dates going to legal seafood and us being like should we see if we could try to get a drink yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is it does feel like at that age when you go to a restaurant you are pre- like you're like pretending to be you're playing grown up right like yeah. you're kind of and it does i think it's so smart that it highlights like these are just children they are talking about adult things and they are talking about real things but it it is just it's kids Kids, it's characters. Kids, kids characters. I think it's nice. It's I mean, nice these that are you can adults. feel other than like to think that Nick Cage is seventeen startles me. I hope everybody oh. else is of legal age when filming mm-hmm. begins. He does. He looks 
one of the old, yeah. like an older character. In the, in the full 10 seconds you see him, you're yeah. like, he could be 20. Yeah, yeah, he could be 20. Because he's tall. He's, he's so tall. tall. He's so tall. Yeah. But a lot a lot of these characters, at least, it's like, it's, it's way nicer, I think, when high schoolers are played by people who are visibly not high schoolers. Because you get to just enjoy the story and not be like, mm-hmm. yuck, I'm looking at these nubile bodies <laughs> that are pretending to be, like, like there's a lot of quote-unquote 15-year-old characters that take their tops off. Yes. You, and that's not fun. Cor- uh, correct. That's not fun. That's not fun. We Nobody here wants to no. actually see a no. 15-year-old. <laughs> no. But I think there's, I think the perfect, gra- I think this movie's like kind of that perfect ground of like, they're like, they're old they're older than 18, you can tell. Mm-hmm. But it's not the grease effect where you're like, this yeah. is a 45-year-old. Yes, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? You yeah, don't want, yeah, that's yeah. the other end of it where you're like, this guy has a full five o'clock shadow yeah, and he's yeah. pretending to be a senior. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they do still look. They still hard. look like you're like, oh, yeah. I believe it, but I can also know it. Yeah. Which is good. Yeah. Now, let's talk about, so with this podcast, we we strive to find out is Nicholas Cage, is Nicholas Coppola slash Cage this is the only movie we'll have to worry about this mm. name naming thing for. Mm, mm. The best actor of all time. Mm. Or, uh, excuse me, alive. I think he shows up on set, it oh, sounds yeah. like it. He puts in his work. He says, I was mm. trying to look at Sean Penn because he was doing interesting things. And I'm like, he's looking at the guy who's really making big choices on this movie with a full character. Mm. And you can even see that in his later work. Like, Nick Cage always is like, I'm going to be doing a big choice here. Just like Sean Penn does. Right, so in a way, you can almost see that this was like an impressionable moment for him. I don't know. You're you're taking, little, it, I'm maybe, you're taking I'm it too this, far for me to agree I'm with. Artuno always thing. gives me these sweet little puppy dies looks where he's like, right, right, and I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what you're saying. I don't know what you're talking about. I can't agree with this. I won't be held down to this opinion. <laughs> I don't know, but I agree. I like it. I like that you're saying Thank it. You. Thank you. <laughs> I also think though, like, but I and I I want to shout out for her Nicholas Cage's acting in this as well. Of he's like he's on he's focused he's in he's present in the scenes where he's in the background he does not draw focus he appears to be totally doing it which you could if you were if you were like you see those people who i've been that person i feel like where you're like trying to turn your face towards the camera to get caught a little more because Mm -hmm. you're like this is it for me Mm -hmm. and he's not doing that that i noticed and then the other like split second that you see him and he's like clapping at the game and it just like this this we're we're definitely grasping at straws here because there's so little there's and we so want to talk about it. But it does feel real. It feels like he's doing a good job. He's like he comes across as cool because he's not too cool to try. Yes, it it, it could be. And I mean, think of it this way: his uncle is Francis Ford Coppola. Mm-hmm. He is the yeah. heir of the apocalypse now Godfather, yeah. like dynasty. We've seen Hollywood kids blow it. We've seen Hollywood kids blow it, and he could have been like, I don't want to do the background part of this and I know some of his stuff was cut so it's also he may have thought oh. he had a bigger role mm. but he could have been like uh, my debut will be a mm. big movie starring me I won't be this background character in this Amy Hegeling movie where I'm just yeah. Brad's bud I don't really yeah. even have a name yeah. no he says you know what I'm gonna put on my cause he says he says later on as well I don't view myself as having a career I go to work oh. and I think that's what he does he's like as an actor this is my craft and it's my job. It's my work, and I work on it. Mm. And I like that. That is nice, but I think it's also like it's you can say career when you're 40 years in, mm-hmm. and when you're when you're 17 year olds doing 
fast times at Ridgemont High. Like you don't have your career, but the idea that you you still start that point training it as work. Yeah, because that carries you. Yeah, he's essentially a glorified extra in this. I'm not, I'm not gonna. Oh, speaking of glorified extras, though, there is one extra that I absolutely love. When um, Mark the Rat is he? I think he. I think he's just gotten Stacy's number at the counter, uh-huh. and he's starting to walk away. And there's an extra who clearly has been directed to uh, like walk that path, mm-hmm. and their timing is a little off. And the extra with one finger just pushes Mark the Rat slightly out of his way so that he can continue his line of traffic and mark reitner can as well and it's i've never seen anything like it. wow so well that was this exciting. is again every every movie we're gonna have something christina spots that nobody else spots so when you're watching just keep a special eye out for that did you hang out around malls as a kid a lot i did a little bit of mauling i had a friend who was more of a mall person than i was so i got a little taste of the culture but i know what you're building up to and i want to say it which is that this movie being a love letter to malls um was shot at the sherman oaks galleria which is also where another film that we have seen together was shot which is chopping mall 1986 chopping mall four years later there is going to be a nightmare horror movie about robots killer robots in the mall teens up to antics in the mall and we clocked it as the movie was beginning we were like wow this mall looks just like chopping mall yeah and it is and it is and dare i say it could be in the same cinematic universe because yeah if the mall is the same the kids in that movie the teenagers yeah are also wild, yeah. insane, and look too old. Yes. So, yes. so it is in the same... Four years after the events of Fast Time is a bloody, bloody... bloody. Oh my gosh. <laughs> gruesome thank murder. Thank God those girls have gone on to college And thank God those girls have then. gone on to college. Hopefully they've left town yeah. and they're gone. Yeah. Well, I don't have a segue into this, but I wanted to talk about it. Please. So there's Sean Penn plays this like spooky skinny little stoner character and a lot of his plot lines are about going to class where he is taught by Mr. Hand Mm -hmm. and Mr. Hand um enters the movie and his first line in the movie is aloha he says aloha my name is Mr. Hand and I was on tilt because I was like why is this like dehydrated white man saying aloha and he then goes on to be like an extremely aggressive teacher like he's very very, i mean it's a character it's a character but it also it's like it doesn't feel respectful to his students he's always yelling in their faces and taking their food and like slapping on the desks and whatever so i was like i was like steaming myself up about the aloha thing because i was like what the heck but then at the end of the movie he goes to Sean Penn's house to finish out the semester. <laughs> yeah. An insane thing, by the way. An insane thing that is, I, I, I was like, I would have, I would have absolutely loved it if my teachers did this for me. I was, I'd be like, personal one-on-one time where you're going to ask me what I think about the class. This is amazing. Um, but at the end of that scene, they say aloha to each other. Sean Penn says aloha, and Mr. Han says aloha as well. And so the meaning of aloha, alo means like presence, front, your face, and then ha means breath. So aloha, while it doesn't have a direct translation, 
can be translated into the presence of divine breath. So you say it and you're like, aloha, like I see the life in you. I recognize the, the life and the Holy Spirit. That's a little Catholic, but like the, the life-giving essence of you. And um, it's this very loving spiritual phrase that is deeply connected to the Hawaiian people and their entire culture and what they've been through. And I love Hawaii. I'm very much pro their independence and think that their colonization by the United States is a great tragedy. And so I was very protective about the idea of these two white men Mm -hmm. saying aloha to each other. But I I think that they actually do capture the spirit of aloha in that moment where it, it does feel like they're like, I see you. I recognize you. Like, I mm-hmm. see you as a person. Yeah. I'm, I'm emotional, no, you're emotional about it. I'm, I thought I'm, it was I'm, really I'm, nice. I'm stunned right now. But uh, yeah, I do think so as well. That it, it is a, it's a, when he shows up, you're like, oh my God. But by the end, it's like, it's kind of a, a nice little moment between the two of them. Yeah, I won't say, like, this is not me, like, coming around necessarily on those characters or, like, Sean Penn overall. I think he does a really great you were like he's doing such a good job at acting stoned and i think there's a spectrum of <laughs> bad to passable to good and i thought this was like the passable to oh, good thought you thought it was great i loved that but um like I, I, I i'm not i'm not gonna i'm not gonna throw throw my support around every moment of their interaction whatever but that final aloha between them i was i was moved by that's nice. But it is weird because it's like in his weird, horrible room full of like nudie posters. All There's bush everywhere. There's, there's bush like, there's, it's everywhere. just like, it's totally unhinged. But so let's not, let's not get carried away let's not crying get carried over away. this scene. Yeah. Yep, Christina, yep, yep. That note's directed at myself. <laughs> so one thing I want to say um, is that we talked about how at the beginning of the movie, it feels like a very ensemble cast and it's all over the place and you're not really sure about what the relationships are. Mm-hmm. And I do think that those relationships get solidified by the end of the movie. And Brad, like, show like being out there when his sister gets the abortion and Ugh. comes out. And he's like, are you hungry? What do you want? And he's so nice. He doesn't judge her at all. He's just like, he's, one, I've never seen a representation like that before of, like, a brother very casually and kindly picking up his sister from the abortion. And, like, I was like, this is so meaningful and moving. Um, two, that should be the standard. It should be that, like, your family and your community doesn't yeah. shame you and takes care of you. And it's, I mean, it's so, so crummy that, like, this guy, he, first, first he's like, what, do you want me to, the guy who impregnates oh, her is yeah, like, you want yeah, me to pay yeah. for the whole abortion? And she's like, no, Mike. just half... Mike blows it. He's it's one hundred and fifty dollars even. It's uh, and and he's like, you want me to pay for the whole thing? And she's like, no, just half and a ride. And he's like, oh, fine, okay. And then he never shows up. She and has he's to, got plenty of money from his ticket scalping. Yeah, I mean, he's the operation. worst. He's the worst. Well, they show him trying to sort of like get the money together, and he's having a hard time. But it's just like whatever, loser. He's the yeah. worst. And then <laughs> the brother is really nice, and that's yeah. really nice. And I think I think the movie. Has plenty of shortcomings and weird, insidious, heterosexual stuff. But there's also really nice relationships and community that gets formed. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really lovely to hear you talk about Nicolas Cage, like, keeping an eye on that and choosing to be a part of this community, even in a small role, even on a set where he's being teased and mistreated, maybe. Like, like... It's we're lucky that he is a 
part of this film and that this is a part of his legacy as well. If if he wasn't in this film, there's a chance never... his name was Nicholas Coppola and <gasps> who knows where his career would have gone. Oh my God. Right? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. this is, he was like, I can't do this. Yeah. I got to switch it to Cage. Yeah. 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 So that's like me. I, I was getting teased in my regular biology class and I was like, I'm okay here. I'll share this. <laughs> I, I started out high school thinking maybe I'll go by my nickname with some of my close friends, which was Kitty, which is an appropriate nickname if you're named like Catherine or Cat or something. But if you try to go from Christina to Kitty, people don't respond well, <laughs> especially not freshmen in high school. No. So I tried that approach in my biology class and it was uh, a tepid response to say the least. So then I went and cried to my mom and I said, like, they're too stupid. I need to be in bio honors. Can you please get them to move me up into the next section? So I managed to get into the higher level course because I didn't want to be teased. So I see it. I see you, Nicholas Coppola. Yeah. Mr. Cage. Yes. Kitty sees you. Kitty sees you. (laughs) I don't know if I've ever heard that story. Well, it's shameful, so I don't share it. (laughs) But... Let's move ahead into the last segment of our show, which is devoted to our ever-contentious ratings. We rate each movie out of 10 cages to evaluate Mr. Cage's performance and out of five stars to evaluate the overall movie. So, Artun, do you know what your ratings are? I don't even know if it's possible to give any rating for Nicolas Cage here. I'm going to give a rating. So I, if you're going like, to talk about I what's give possible. Him, I'd say I'll give him a check plus. Like he did, <gasps> a, he did a good job. Showed up on set. But in terms of his like what it is, I think the part is too small to even beget like a Oh my. You're, I'm not going to let you do this, coward. It's, I'm doing, I'm it's doing out it. of I'm 10 I'm giving cages. a check plus. Today I'm giving a check no. plus out of 10 cages. And I will give the movie a four out of five. I think it was great. Fun movie. Christina's steaming. I'm steaming. I'm steaming. What's the point of having the 10 cage I think rating be the system only one. if be you're going to just, it's, the second every, episode, you're like, oh, this is the only time. This is the only uh-huh. time he's right. going to get a check plus. Well, me. I'm going to give him another 10 out of 10 cages for this because <laughs> I think his performance is 100% for those 15 seconds that he's in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't see anything that I would dock any cages from my review and i would give this uh, this movie three and a half out of five stars Mm. because that's usually the type of rating i give when i'm like there's too much like there's too much spooky stuff (laughs) for me to give it the four stars and i think this director then goes on to do clueless yeah that's a five star movie that's a Five that is star a five-star movie. movie. So this is definitely a three and a half for me. Okay, But good. definitely... Would you I, recommend it? I would recommend watching it. Oh, I definitely it's recommend so crazy. it. so Yeah. In fact, get the Criterion, get the no. Criterion DVD, Pass drop down over. some cash. They usually have some good sales going on. Yeah. And see that full frontal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, now you know about... Now you know how we feel about the movie. So we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at CageOldQuestion and send any emails to CageOldQuestionPod at gmail.com. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe to this podcast and feel free to throw a five-star review our way. If you'd like to leave a less-than-five-star review, just wait until our podcast gets better or you forget about it. For our next episode, we are watching the 1983 film Valley Girl, directed by Martha Coolidge, written by Wayne Crawford and Andrew Lane.
We'll hope you'll watch with us and listen in. Signing off. This is Christina. And Artoon Nazareth. Asking you the, the cage old, old question. Can you steal the Declaration of Independence? I'd like to take his his face off. Oh, no, not the beat! A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L. I was a little drunk. Plus, I was horny.